0: Why do people fall away from the faith what gives and how can we help people without condemning them Welcome, welcome to The Line of Fire. This is Michael Brown coming away live from Toronto. We addressed a couple of the tech problems we had yesterday. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, it's audio only. So I guess you got my smiling face there with my voice. But coming away live from Toronto, wonderful conference, Lausanne Conference of Jewish Evangelism. It's an international colloquium. Great reports, God doing amazing things among the Jewish people. That's not going to be our focus today. Our focus is, why do believers fall away from the faith? If you have a question that relates to this, a question about people falling away, or questions that you struggle with, faith questions, you can call anonymously if that's best for you. 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. But... Any question of any kind, Bible, theology, culture, that relates to the line of fire, I will be taking calls on random subjects as well, time permitting, 866-34-TRUTH. Okay, I want to lay out a few theological foundations here so that we can all agree on the subject matter. Among those of you listening, there will be three major classes in terms of views Uh, about losing the faith. One would be common in Pentecostal charismatic circles that you can be saved, but then you can reject the gospel. You can walk away from the Lord. Commonly said you can lose your salvation, okay? Others say, common in many Baptist circles, once saved, always saved. If someone is truly saved, then no matter what they do, no matter how they live, they still go to heaven. They may lose some rewards. They may have their life cut short, but if you're saved, you're saved. And then the other view would be the Calvinist view found in some Baptist circles, but especially in Presbyterian circles and others, which is perseverance of the saints. That would say that if someone is truly saved, they will persevere in holiness until the end. If they fall away, it's only temporary, and they'll come back. If someone truly turns away and never comes back, then the Calvinists would say that person was never truly saved. But regardless of which of those views you hold to, we all recognize that there are people who appear to be believers who fall away. Were they really saved or not? Did they only fall away on a temporary level? All we know is the word addresses over and over and over and over the danger of apostasy. So regardless of where your theology is, the word warns us about falling away. And we know there is danger in doing so. Whether it's possible to, quote, lose your salvation or forfeit your salvation, whether you lose rewards, whether your life is cut short, whether this reveals you were never truly saved, what we do know is there are many warnings in Scripture and the warnings are serious. We can agree on that, right? Okay. Why do people fall away? If I had to put things in a few big categories, I would say one category is sin, meaning fleshly sin gets in, some addiction, some illicit relationship, guilt because of sin, desire to rebel, and people don't want to serve God anymore. Now, they may rationalize they may come up with some kind of excuse. They may devise reasons why they no longer believe, but it was ultimately a sin issue. Others fall away because of spiritual disappointment. It's often an emotional issue that they really believed that, that the person they were marrying was the right person and a godly person. And it turns out the person is leading a double life and ends up leaving them and leaves their family in a mess, or you trusted a colleague in your church and made a major business investment together, and then the whole thing collapsed and the person took off with their profit and left you in, in massive debt, and you, you you feel wounded by a person that's supposed to be your brother, or you're praying for your child. Uh, to be healed, and and you really believe your child's going to be healed, and they die. So often, disappointment, spiritual disappointment, or relational disappointment. This is also something that often happens. And then another thing is being pulled by religious, theological, intellectual objections. You're talking to a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon and you're not equipped and they pull you away from the faith. Or you, you, you reach out to, say, a religious Muslim and they challenge the Bible and contradict the Bible and you don't have answers. Or your atheist professor in college mocking the scripture and your professor seems to know so much. The objections of science and so on. So often there are theological, intellectual objections and people are challenged by them. And then another thing that happens is that, that people are sometimes put in environments where it's not allowed. You're not allowed to ask questions. That's considered to be denial of the faith. That's considered to be disloyalty to God. As if it's a sin to have doubt. As if it's a sin to question. And many people in that environment, they can't contain their questions. They feel the lack of integrity in their own lives. And because of that, they end up leaving the faith. Now, I can't verify what best-selling novelist Dan Brown, author of The Da Vinci Code and other best-selling books, I can't verify his story. But I was reading his last novel, On the one hand, they're incredible reads that they get you absorbed in the plot. You can hardly put the page down. But there's a consistent God-bashing theme or faith-bashing theme or Christian or specifically Catholic-bashing theme throughout his books. So the first one I read was the Da Vinci Code book because I was going to be participating in a three-way dialogue, Daryl Bach, Shmuley Boteach, and Me. So Professor Daryl Bach, Rabbi Shmuley, and Me. We were going to be discussing the Da Vinci Code, so I had to read the book. But boy, it was a page turner. But of course, it was terribly inaccurate in many ways, despite claiming to be historically accurate, and very much anti-New Testament faith. So when I when I read the the last book of his, was it Origins, something like that? I wondered, some, something's going on here. There was there was even there was even a a hint in in one of the uh, it, it, one of the characters in his origins book that in point of fact, uh, somebody had disappointment spiritually growing up. It, I thought, could this be Dan Brown's story? So I looked into it, and according to him, his father was a scholar, a, a non-believer, and I think an atheist, if I'm correct. His mother played organ in church and was religious, So he grew up in both worlds, enjoying church, enjoying science, but began to have questions. According to his story, when he was 13 years old, he went to the Episcopal pastor and asked him a question about apparent contradictions between the Bible and science. And according to Dan Brown, the pastor said to him, good boys don't ask questions like that. And that was the beginning of the end for him in terms of the faith. Of course, God can still redeem him, but that's what happened. So I, I always want to encourage an atmosphere where you can ask honest questions, where it's, it's not a threat to ask questions, where it's not a threat to, to have a doubt. And you can come and say, I'm really struggling with my faith. Or I, I was reading some objections by atheists and they strike me as strong. I, I believe that is... Something that we should say to the person, hey, tell me, what's going on, man? I'm not threatened. And if you say, yikes, am I, do I have to have the answer to everybody, to the Muslims, to the Mormons, to the religious Jews, to the Hindus, to the atheists, to the agnostics, to the, no, no, not at all. What you need to do is have a solid relationship with the Lord yourself, and not be threatened when someone comes with their questions and say, you know, I have no idea, I've never thought of that, but let's let's get some answers together. Because these days, they are readily available online. I mean, my friend and colleague, Dr. Frank Turek, has an app, Cross-Examined with a D. All right, and I'm sure there are other apps like this. Cross-Examined with a D. Download the app, and you have a question about many, many specific issues, and boom, there are answers. There are other apologetic websites that have great content. So if you have questions, it's great to seek honestly and get answers now here's what's interesting i wrote an article yesterday reaching out to a hill song leader who is renouncing his faith and it was singer songwriter worship leader marty sampson and he said in a twitter post time for some real talk i'm genuinely losing my faith and it doesn't bother me like what bothers me now is nothing i'm so happy now so at peace with the world it's crazy this is a soapbox moment, so here I go. How many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God be loved yet send 4 billion people to a place all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. Christians could be the most judgmental people on the planet. They could also be some of the most beautiful and loving people, but it's not for me. I'm not in anymore. I want genuine truth, not just the I believe or I just believe kind of truth. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Lots of things help people change their lives, not just one version of God. Got so much more to say, but for me, I'm keeping it real. Unfollow if you want. I've never been about living my life for others. All I know is what's true to me right now, and Christianity just seems to me like another religion at this point. I could go on, but I won't. Love and forgive, absolutely. Be kind, absolutely. Be generous and do good to others, absolutely. Some things are good no matter what you believe. Let the rain fall, the sun will come up tomorrow. So I wrote a response to that. And, and, and let me just say, if you are a leader and you're on a journey and you're struggling, there's a time to keep things to yourself because your, your words influence others. And, and that's why I address this publicly because these words influence others and I want to immediately respond and help Morty as well, whom, whom I don't know. I, I want to respond. And I, I want to help others that are reading his posts and wondering, well, why don't people talk about this? Because the answer is we do all the time. Every question he raises, all the time. But somehow it seemed he was in circles, whatever they were. And I wasn't indicting Hillsong, but he's in circles where it seems they weren't being talked about. Well, interestingly, he responded to my article on Christian Post. And I want to read some of his response. I've tried to reach out to him, and hopefully we will be able to interact. If you have questions, 866-348-7884.
1: It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown.
0: 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call. And we are coming away live from Toronto. I want to get to as many calls as I can. And let me just say this. One more word about Marty Sampson. Uh, I read comments that someone Posted, copied, I think his Instagram comments on Twitter. If he had posted on Twitter, I would have copied him my article as well. I, I copied a couple of other Hillsong leaders so that they would know that I was writing this and, and just be aware for integrity's sake because I mentioned Hillsong and then hopefully get it to him. Uh, interestingly, what he's posted on, Christ, uh, on Christian Post in response to my article, he says, look, I want answers. I'm looking for answers. I'm listening to Christian apologists. Uh, I'm, but I listening to atheists as well uh, it would have been better to say that in a post saying I'm struggling I'm looking for answers rather than saying no one's talking about it because again people are people are if you are in circles where you're not allowed to talk about these things you are you are in circles where it's forbidden to ask questions That's not a healthy environment it's not a healthy environment look my ministry has asked dr. Brown okay I'm a Jewish follower of Jesus, as most all of you know. And immediately upon coming to faith, I was kind of thrown in the deep water, talking to learned rabbis who, who knew Hebrew inside out, knew the scriptures, and knew the objections, and all this, and anything I said, they're going to have 10 answers before I even get the words out of my mouth. And, and then I studied in all secular universities, so not a single professor I studied with, college, grad school, so all the way through my PhD, not a single professor I studied with agreed with what I believed, not one everything was challenged and I understand the pain I understand the emotional pain am I being deceived am I believing a lie is this all true it's crushing but ultimately if you'll seek earnestly seek God earnestly and seek truth earnestly you'll be rewarded richly my life is overflowing spiritually emotionally and intellectually Eight six six three four truth Let's start in Oregon. Andrew, welcome to the Line of Fire.
2: Hi. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Um, I had a question about... Um, I had a question about... Okay, it says in the Bible that once you become a, a believer, you become a new creation in God. Okay, so... If you become an apostate, if you leave, or if you um, if you're convinced in your mind that you've left the faith, um, do you cease to be that new creation? And if you do cease to be that new creation, is it possible to be uh, is it possible to be uh, for God to reinstate you or to bring you to life, uh, be born again again?
0: May I, Andrew, may I ask if you're asking for yourself or just a general theological question?
2: Um, I have a kind of investment. I think uh, it's for myself. I think, and okay. um, and it's something that I would also um, something I've thought about for several years. That and. Uh, my uh, mother was in a car accident, and her personality kind of changed, and I, I don't know if um, she's that
0: same person again, right.
2: and would that person need
0: saving once more, so I don't right. know how. Got it. Okay, and, and sorry, sorry to hear that. All right, let's deal with your mom first. If something happens to someone where they sustain an injury to their brain, and their brain is no longer functioning like it used to, right? then it, it, God is not holding that person responsible for something that is n- not their responsibility. And In other words, if she doesn't recognize who you were anymore, let's say that was the case, or you talked about believing in Jesus, she has no idea what you're talking about. It's not that her heart changed or her will changed, but her brain is not functioning properly. So the, the real person inside who is a believer is unchanged. It's just the, the signals are getting crossed up. But it, in the case of if someone falls away, if they were truly saved, do they, quote, lose their salvation? Some would say it's impossible because when you're saved, you go from death to life, and you can never go back from life to death. Others say, no, you can forfeit eternal life. But rather than debate that, here's what's certain, Andrew. The testimony of the whole Bible is God saying, come back, come back, come back, I'll restore you. Come back, come back, come back. I'll forgive you come back come back I will forget the past and give you a brand new start so either way if you're if you're out of fellowship with God if you're out of the father's house right now okay he wants to bring you back into a family relationship I would encourage you and anyone in your shoes Andrew read Luke 15 over again I've been quoting that passage a lot in recent weeks a threefold parable lost sheep lost coin, lost son. Read it over and over until you put yourself in the shoes of that son and as you go back to your father's house confessing your sin, he comes running to meet you to restore. The blood of Jesus pays for every sin, including the sin of backsliding, including the sin of apostasy. It says at the end of James, Jacob, the fifth chapter, that if someone strays from the path and another brings him back, we have saved the soul from death and covered a multitude of sins. So the guilt will disappear. The guilt will disappear. And God will have mercy as you turn back to him and do it through the cross. And every one of us has fallen short one way or another. The mercy of God is big enough to forgive us, wash us, and bring us back. And the worst that happened, the worst that happened, God is able to restore and make it for the good. The, the backsliding can be used by God in a redemptive way to make you stronger in the future. Hey, thank you, sir, for the call. May the grace of God be yours and your mom's. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Jeff in Ohio. Welcome to the line of fire.
3: Thank you, Dr. Brown. It's an honor to talk to you. Well, thank you. And, Dr. Brown, I, um, I've i been struggling. I have an autoimmune um, condition that caused me to lose all of my body hair. And I was active in the church. I was licensed to preach. I was a Sunday school teacher. But I became like the brunt of jokes. People would come back to church that hadn't been there in a long time. I felt like a spectacle. Oh, uh, and I'm listening, I'm listening to... Ministers okay. why, Jeff,
0: Jeff, why, why did you become a spectacle to people?
3: Well, like I say, Dr. Brown, they hadn't been back to church at all. And then somebody told them, hey, you ought to come see Brother Jeff. And and so they come back just to, you know, look and see. Okay, I, I understand.
0: Like, understand. I understand me, Brown? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah.
3: So, and, you know, Dr. Brown, and then um, I've... I respect so many ministers that teach that, you know, it's God's will to heal. And I've seen God heal, and I've cried out so much about this, Dr. Brown. And in a way, I mean, God has restored some of the body here, but it still hurts. And I sometimes, and forgive me, I don't mean to be, I don't know, I don't mean to be politically incorrect here, but I feel like I've been sold a bill of goods.
0: I understand. So, Jeff, let me speak to you from the heart, okay? Yes, sir. God is with you in the midst of all these challenges. And when you're hurt, it hurts him. When, when Saul of Tarsus was persecuting followers of Jesus in Acts 9, Jesus said to him, Saul, so why do you persecute me? And one commentator said, the body being hurt, the head cries out. So Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 that when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. So whatever shame you've experienced and the questions about where is God, I thought I'm supposed to get a miracle. It's obviously not true. That's where you have to say, okay, the same Bible that talks about miracles also has books like Job, where for a season of his life he loses everything and it looks like God has become a monster. It has Psalms where the Psalms say, all night long, I soaked my pillow with tears. How long, O Lord? And that you have people in the Bible who are not healed. So what I would do, Jeff, is trust that that God knows your frame, but he knows that you're strong enough in him that what would crush someone else is going to make you stronger. And I would encourage you to say, God, I continue to ask for healing, But I'm going to praise you if I'm sick. I'm going to praise you if I'm disfigured. I'm going to praise you if people look at me like some spectacle. Oh, look at Brother Jeff. He's a good example. And God, I'm going to be honest. It hurts. It doesn't feel right. But for sure, for sure, what we're looking forward to is not so much physical healing, but the resurrection of our bodies and Right now, you're in a difficult situation. I've prayed for people who are crippled, and after I prayed for them, they're still crippled. And I don't put it on them. If I'm looking for more faith, I look for it from me. But either way, I encourage them, listen, God is with you right now in that wheelchair. And if you determine I'm going to praise you in the wheelchair, just as much as I praise you outside the wheelchair, then the devil can't defeat you anymore. It's almost like one of these boxing movies and somebody hits you in the face, like that's all you got, that's the hardest you can hit. You've got an opportunity, Jeff, to be an encouragement to others and to say, I've been through a lot, I've been through hardship, but I'm praising God anyway, and I'm worshiping God anyway, and I'm going to continue to praise him whether he heals me or not. And, and Lord, I pray that joy would flood Jeff's heart, that a sense of your nearness would flood his heart, that he'd begin to have a shout of victory inside of him, and that you bless him inside and outside with the very best you have for him. Strengthen his faith, Father, in Jesus' name. All right, we'll be right back. We're going to Germany when we return.
1: It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown.
0: Welcome, welcome to the Line of Fire broadcast. Michael Brown joyfully coming your way from Toronto, especially joyfully because we, we had a Wi-Fi connection instead of a cable connection yesterday, which left us with some delays in the broadcast, and clips were played, and it was a delay before I heard it. In any case, we're properly connected. Took a little juggling to get it done, but so glad to be here. Quality connection, 866 348 We're talking about why people fall away from the faith, and uh, there was a quote that was posted in response to my article addressing concerns of Hillsong worship leader, Marty Sampson, who is struggling with his faith right now. And I guess it was Thomas Cranmer who said, what the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. Ooh, may I quote that again? And by the way, I'm not applying that to Marty Sampson or to Joshua Harris, who's quite openly apostate now. I'm not applying this to anyone specifically. But just to say, this is often relevant in people who fall away from the faith. So, uh, according to Cranmer's anthropology, uh, who am I quoting here? I'm quoting Ashley Null. What the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. The mind doesn't direct the will. The mind is actually captive to what the will wants, and the will itself, in turn, is captive to what the heart wants. So, here's a guy he's been married for years he starts to fall away from the lord he doesn't pay attention to his wife she in turn is not as focused on him he now meets some young gal at work he begins to be attracted to her and he concludes you know i always had questions about my wife and whether god wanted me to marry her I think I married the wrong woman, so God didn't join us together, and therefore I'm justified in getting a divorce because God was never in it and commits adultery, leaves his wife, marries this woman. Well, simply, his mind ended up embracing what his will wanted. His will wanted it because of of the heart, because of sin. So sometimes that happens. Someone has intellectual objections to the faith because their heart is turned away. Other times, it it goes in a very different direction and sometimes people just struggle because of difficult circumstance or they get hit with questions they never got hit with. That's why apologetics is so important. It's not just for outreach. Apologetics, the defense of the faith, is to help believers also grow and be strong. I've had people at this conference tell me that when they came to faith as Jewish believers, they got hit with all the objections for the rabbis that were struggling. And they found my five volumes on answering Jewish objections to Jesus and read them And that's why they're strong in the faith today. So God used the truths from his word and the insights that he gave me. It's all to his glory. I've had many Jewish believers tell me I'm in the faith today because of you, meaning I was struggling, I was having questions, but you answered the questions adequately, and now my mind was at rest. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to uh, Métis in Germany. Welcome to the line of fire.
4: Hello. My name is Malti.
0: Um, Malti, okay. Got it. Yeah, um, it's it's spelled correctly. I just read it wrongly. Nice to talk to you, Malti.
4: No, no, no problem. Um, my question was uh what do you consider to be the great falling away uh, the Bible is speaking of? And I have my personal view on what it is and I'm still thinking about what to do in in my life right now which way to go in the body of Christ due to that.
0: Um, yes, sir. Yeah. Okay, there is always falling away. As long as there have been believers, there have been believers who fall away. As long as there was Israel, there were people who left the fold. Jesus, in Matthew 24, 12, says, because the love of many will wax, because of iniquity will abound, the love of many will wax cold. So I do believe that there will be A final apostasy there could have been an apostasy right before the destruction of the second temple which is partly referenced there but I believe there will be in the midst of end time harvest an end time falling away are we in it now I don't know if it continued to grow and intensify then it will it will it could be the final one but I'm looking for something excuse me I'm not looking for when it does happen, I yeah, believe yeah, I it know. will be more profound than anything that we've seen so far. So there are always fallings away. There's a lot of compromise mm-hmm. in different churches. They, they go liberal, they go left, and they, yeah. they, um, they depart from basics of the faith. They no longer believe in the authority of Scripture, the resurrection of Jesus, or biblical standards of holiness, and things like that. So that often happens. But is there, are we in the great, falling away that jesus spoke of right now it's possible but if so it's going to grow dramatically
4: Uh, can i say something to that yes please um although what i'm experiencing in germany we have a lot of ecumenicalism with the catholic church and Mm -hmm. many many almost all leaders are saying like oh this is the great move of god uh, uniting all the denominations and in the midst of that, the Pope Francis is saying is, is posting a video from 2016 January, where he holds up all religions like Jews, uh, Islam, Buddhists, and uh, and Christianity in the form of a Catholic priest holding up a baby of Jesus, like baby, actually a statue. And like I I cannot uh, I don't know what to do in this situation right now. Uh, do you want me continue talking or you want to say something?
0: No, yeah. Let, let me jump in, sir. I would say when I see that happening, okay, that to me is not a good sign. That's a bad sign. That to me is part what could be the great falling away where people just try to blend the religions or Christians just are going to believe everything that's allegedly Christian. I believe in true followers of Jesus working together across denominational lines. I believe in working with Catholics who are truly born again. I believe in working with Greek Orthodox who are truly born again. Evangelicals, which I am, who are truly born again. Specifically Messianic Jews, truly born again. I believe we should all work together as believers if we're truly born again. But the blending of just all the denominations, all, all come together together. And then the blending with other religions, that to me is apostasy. That's going in the wrong direction. You only get there by lowering the standard. You only get there by denying fundamentals of the faith. And uh, is that the way the final apostasy is going to go? It could well be. But if my church was totally into that and we're putting aside our differences, I would not stay there. I would go somewhere else. Okay, God bless you. Thank you for the call. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Eric in Virginia. Welcome to the line of fire. Hi, how are you? Good. I need you to speak up, sir. Are you able to hear me? I can hear you. Hi,
5: Dr. Brown, quick question. I was trying to find out what sets any particular agenda for purposes of media coverage if things are infinite in their potentiality, why is it just a few types of sins at any given time seem to be the basis of media campaigns, such as the anti-abortion movement, the um, anti-homosexuality movement, and, you know, the anti-suicide with the uh, 13 Reasons Why? What elevates any particular sin to an entire movement?
0: That's basically what I'm
5: trying to find out.
0: Great question. There are a few answers. Some are especially grievous. Uh, the slaughtering of okay. more than 60 million babies in the womb is of a lot greater concern to me than if someone is cruel to their, to their cat one day, okay? I don't like the cat, someone's cruel to the cat, but it's of infinitely more concern to me that babies are being slaughtered in the womb. So some are A, tremendously important, right? Just like if you're in Nazi Germany during the days of the Holocaust or America during the days of slavery, those are massive issues that deserve attention that's that's a and B the pushback against them is so intense the the militant pro-abortion protests so intense the battle over politicians and, and and justices being appointed to courts is so intense that's going to put it in the news so that's one thing the thing is so grievous and terrible a second thing is it's always in your face for example if the issue of homosexuality is what people are doing in private in their own homes, uh, why, why would I be talking about that? Why would I be bringing that up? Why would that be an issue? But when a whole state passes a law that all kids are going to be taught LGBT history or passes a law that a 17-year-old with unwanted same-sex attraction is not allowed to get professional legal counsel or a girl ends up Not winning a race where she could have gotten in, maybe gotten a scholarship at university because a boy who identifies as a girl beats her. And these things are now in our face day and night. I never, ever, ever, ever go looking for LGBT news. Ever. I have to decide out of the 10 or 20 or 30 items that come in my newsfeed every day, do I want to address one of them or not? So that's a second thing. It's in your face. And the third is just it happens to be something that the media picks up on and it becomes a big story. So those are the ones of the least concern because it's just like the fad of the moment. But if the thing itself is especially heinous, like, like sex trafficking, the, the more we become aware of that, the more we should be dealing with. Or opioid addiction or the problem of porn, you know, and porn addiction, e- even among children. So when things are big enough public enough they get our attention or when they're just in our face all the time hey look adultery is bad and I've preached about sexual purity for decades and written about it and written against adultery but we don't have adultery pride parades and we don't have children's curriculum celebrating adultery but we do have a a tremendous push from gay activists to redefine marriage, and so on, and then to take away the liberties of those who oppose. So some things come knocking at our door, sir, and we respond. Other things, just by nature, are especially grievous, and therefore we respond. Does that answer your question?
5: So if I'm understanding you correctly, it seems that the overarching issue is the fact that some types then have more of a broad um, impact on the world around us versus others have less of an impact at any given time
0: yeah that's a great way of summarizing it there are some because of broader impact have broader relevance and touch more of us and therefore we engage them more and then once they become part of the news cycle they become bigger issues the key thing though is that none of us can sit around as if we're so self-righteous i've often said no fault heterosexual divorce in the church has done more to destroy marriage than all homosexual activists combined. So we always want to start with self-examination, but yes, some things make a greater impact, therefore they're in the news board because they touch more lives and they're especially heinous. Hey, thank you.
1: It's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown.
0: Thanks, friends, for joining us as we come your way live from Toronto, 866-34-TRUTH. Hey, Howard, I'm posting an article for Scott in California on Hebrews 6. If I don't get to his call... You can just give him this link that I posted, 866-348-7884. Let's go to Judy in Alabama. Welcome to the line of fire.
6: Thank you, Dr. Brown. Um, I have been a believer since I was 15 years old. Um, Let's just say I'm a few years older than that now. But um, anyway, since 2012, I've been a member of a Messianic synagogue, and you've actually been to our synagogue, and I've met you at the Messiah Conference, et cetera. But my question is that, um, you know, for about the first three months that I was a believer, I i mean, things were terrific. It was like, um, you know, uh, uh, the King of the Universe loves me. He saved me, et cetera. Then all of a sudden, one day, that there was a, a somehow a doubt creeped in, you know, that I had lost my salvation. Um, so I you know, was given all the verses, like in Romans 8, uh, about who shall separate us from the love of God, etc. But it's always been an undercurrent in my Christian life. It's hard for me to believe that God loves me. And so, you know, when you don't believe somebody loves you, it's really hard to chase after them. Yeah. I still go to my synagogue all the time. And I, because I know that I'm going to receive something there, you know, a nugget, but I've never spoken in tongues, et cetera. But I still keep going, even though oftentimes I don't feel his presence. And I just, and if I do, sometimes it goes away. So I don't know what's wrong or what I need to do.
0: I'm so sorry to hear you going through this. Judy, when you see the cross, when you look at the cross and Yeshua hanging on the cross, what do you see? Do you see God's love there?
6: Uh, y- yes, yes
0: uh, and and he's dying for what? for because we're so good or because of our sins?
6: Because we're so bad because of all of our sins.
0: right and because, and do you think you know, there's anything do so you, you think there's anything you ever did that surprised him?
6: No, I, I sometimes feel like I snuck on the
0: salvation bus. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Um, where, show me where, when he died on the cross, where God so loved mm-hmm. the world that he gave his one and only mm-hmm. Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish for every eternal life. Please show me where, when he died on the cross and demonstrated God's love for the world, he somehow left Judy out. And when you put your name in the whoever believes, that, that mm-hmm. doesn't apply to you. Can, you. can you do that? No, sir. Uh-huh. So here's what you have no. to do. What you have to do is no matter what your mind and emotions are telling you, because you know it's true, all right? I'm not telling you to brainwash mm-hmm. yourself, but in your heart, you know these things are true. You have to look at the cross and meditate on the cross mm-hmm. and realize that is God shouting how much he loves me that you know what it's yeah. almost like you know uh, uh, somebody you your your car falls down a cliff you know and and your husband finds out what happened and he 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 hangs a rope he gets down the cliff he rescues it as all you know he by the time he gets down he's beaten he's bloodied and and he says climb up mm-hmm. over me and now he's left there hanging you know because he saved your life you know and you say, mm-hmm. but honey, you're not hugging me now. It's like, I can't hug you. I almost <laughs> died, saving your life. Don't you think I love you? So what I want to encourage yeah. you to do, th- there was a little girl who, who said to a pastor one day, I, I just can't say I love you, Jesus. I just, I can't say it. So he said, don't think about it. Just every day, all through the day, say Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, after a week, she came back and she said, I love Jesus so much. So uh, what I encourage you to do is take your eyes off yourself. I know you live in, okay. you, you live in your body, okay? Take your eyes off okay. yourself and say, I'm going to look at the cross. I'm going to look at what Yeshua did. I'm going to thank God for his love. That is his love. For, he, he can't shout it out any louder than that. And then if you okay. just determine to spend time with him, love him back because of what he did not because of how you feel as you do Mm -hmm. that and seek him earnestly i believe he'll put joy in your heart i believe he'll put faith in your heart i believe he'll Mm -hmm. give you that deep sense of relationship and it's it's a lie it's a lie it's a lie that you lost your faith that god rejected you. you just you have to look at the cross what he did that is god shouting to you judy I love you so much. I Mm -hmm. sent my son to die for you and I want to be with you forever. He truly enjoys spending time with his children. I believe if you'll take hold of that and make that your focus Mm -hmm. and worship based on that, some praises to God based on that act out your life based on that. I believe that deep sense of fellowship will come and you'll feel that sense of assurance in God. Lord do that for Judy. I pray. In the name of Jesus, Yeshua. Amen. Thank you for calling and being open. For everyone that said, Judy was me, Judy's call was me, the same words I gave to Judy. I gave to look at the cross, looking unto Jesus. Hey, thank you for calling. Uh, let us go to Stephen in Florida. Welcome to the line of fire.
7: Hey, Brian, how are you doing?
0: Doing very well, thank you.
7: Uh, great. I just wanted to, you know, talk about what you're talking about, falling away, man. And I think one of the biggest things I see in, in my church being involved in care ministry is a lot of people walk by sight and not faith. And I've personally experienced this as a prodigal sign at one point. But we focus so much on what's going on around us. Happening to us, and a lot of people come to the conclusion that hey, I thought God was for me, not against me. You know, I think that's why Paul continuously tells us to mind on things above and not on things below. To focus our eyes on not on what is seen, but what is unseen, unseen, eternal. You know, and I just want you to expand upon that. Man, is just we got to walk by faith.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Critical. Yeah, so, so a, a few things, Stephen. Number one, we're not talking about people going into denial. We're, we're not talking about turning off our brains. We're talking about the fact that we don't understand everything and that circumstances can come that, that challenge our faith and that many times I, I would take responsibility as a leader and say many times we preach a message that gives people the idea that following Jesus means everything's always gonna go great, or you won't go through challenges, or you won't experience hardship, etc. So many times people think like, well, what happened to me? You know, my son got in a car wreck, or my wife got cancer, or I just lost my job. I thought following Jesus, everything goes great. And, and often people aren't prepared. Hey, it's a difficult world. It's a challenging world. It's a world with a lot of ups and downs, but God's grace is sufficient. Once we are absolutely sure that God is our God, then come what may, we worship him. Come what may, we praise him. And it's not denial. And Stephen, you know this, it's not denial. Instead, it brings us into that realm of faith where all things are possible. I want to read something to you from the book of Habakkuk. It's the end of Habakkuk. And, and, and it's, it's one of the great faith statements in, in the Bible. And this is what he says. Hard times are coming. Judah is, is going to be judged by Babylon. There's going to be exile and pain. But he says this. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom, the end of Habakkuk 3, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce on the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers. He makes me tread on my high places. And many years ago, when I was in the early days of ministry, and the salary I was getting at a Bible school was not sufficient to pay our bills, married with two kids on Long Island, and I was responsible and working hard and doing everything I knew how to do. I remember when when we had a bunch of bills that I didn't know how I was gonna pay them, I wanted to pay everything on time, I, I took them in a pile, I put them on the ground, and I put on worship music and I started dancing on them. And it gave me the perspective, all this is under my feet and God is faithful. And sure enough, time after time after time, He came through. So what you have to determine is, we walk by faith, not by sight, This body is is a tent we live in while passing through this world. I'm going to praise God on good days. I'm going to praise God on bad days. I'm going to praise God when things are going well. I'm going to praise God when things are not going well. And as you do, God manifests himself either in your heart with joy and faith or by changing the circumstances around you. Acts 16, Paul and Silas severely flogged and in prison in the lowest dungeon in chains at midnight does it get any worse than that they begin singing praises to god and then the earthquake comes that sets them free so you praise god at midnight in the darkness in pain in chains and god brings the breakthrough it may come first on the inside only but ultimately it will come on the outside as well hey friends we are out of time Can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. We'll be taking calls and interacting as always. And if you haven't helped us yet, stood with us, go to AskDrBrown.org, click on Donate. AskDrBrown.org, click on Donate. Together, friends, we are making a difference.